It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 71. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and as we hit smack dab in the middle of May now, I thought it'd be a great time to talk about and raise awareness about mental health relating to Golden Gopher Athletics. I think many Gopher fans would be surprised to learn there's an entire sports psychology department within the athletic department that focuses on all kinds of mental health for Gopher students. Performance-related, personal health, family issues, and more are always Gopher athletes can struggle. The Gophers have committed resources to helping players from across the board. Dr. Carly Anderson is the Director of Sports Psychology Services with the Gophers, and she is our guest this week on episode number 71. It's a great conversation with a lot of information and relevant news, including ways fans can help. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone. And True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also glad to have Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union with us here on the Go Gopher podcast. Affinity Plus is your local credit union throughout the state of Minnesota. You can find out more at affinityplus.org slash go gophers. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. We're podcasting episode 71 from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We invite you to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast. You can do that. It's free to do so. You can listen for free at any time, and you can go back and listen to previous shows. Last week, for example, we talked with Golden Gopher women's basketball coach Don Plitzelwhite. You'll want to listen to that. This week, it's episode 71 of the Go Gopher podcast. We're talking Mental Health Awareness Month with Golden Gopher Director of Sports Psychology, Dr. Carly Anderson. She'll join me next. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utech, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com. Hi, Gopher fans. Switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on lights. We switch TV channels. We switch on the TV. And with the new transfer portal, some college students even switch colleges, which can seem crazy to us diehard fans. But what's not crazy is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, my agency can switch you over so we can start saving today. My team is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood and show you it is, in fact, easy to switch and save. When you want the real deal, check us out at champlininsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
the Go Gopher podcast, and we have an important topic to discuss today and so many tentacles of this topic. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I think a lot of Gopher fans would be surprised at how much the University of Minnesota Athletic Department puts into resources providing student-athletes with uh, sports psychology services, and who better to talk about that uh, within that department than the leader of the department, Dr. Carly Henderson, and uh, great to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, as we mentioned. Um, However, mental health, of course, is a -a 12-month-a-year proposition. But how important is it even one month at a time just to create awareness to make sure people understand, you know, that uh, there are times where people are going to struggle and they need to seek help. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is certainly important and relevant to make it something that's normalized in a, de- in a department. This year, actually, I think everyone is very well aware <laughs> that mental health is increasingly challenging, particularly in the college athletic scene and with this pandemic. Um, so this year, we really focused on mental health action and creating spaces and activities within athletics during this first week of May last week, um, where we were creating spaces and opportunities to actually do things that promote mental health. So we had um, campuses pet away, worry and stress, paws come with their dogs and Hennifer the chicken. (laughs) And it was surprising. We had, oh, probably nearly 200 or more people coming through the um, Lando Lakes uh, atrium, laying on the floor, petting the dogs, you know, administrators and athletes and um, strength and conditioning and academic counselors and everyone, just this beautiful connecting and community that we've not had in recent Mm -hmm. years, talking about, you know, the cat I had when I was seven and this dog that died and just breaking down all these um, barriers and walls that sometimes get set and being vulnerable and open and communicating for for quite several hours. So it was a really neat space. We know being, um, having a sense of belonging helps with loneliness, Connecting to a community is also helpful for mental well-being. So we did several of things like that this last week, which was was quite fun with that within it, athletics. I'm going to already go on a tangent. You mentioned <laughs> the the pets and the dogs and different things. I've interviewed on this podcast many many student athletes, and it seems when we get into it, at least I'm going to say half of them have dogs, um, or you know they they share apartments with other teammates or other athletes, and um, they they have have pets. Is that I mean how how, how can that help? in mental health? Yeah, I mean, I I think we get a lot of requests for, um, you know, uh, acknowledgement from student athletes that having animals is helpful. There's certainly... I think with the pandemic, there, I think that was well known. There was a big mm-hmm. increase in everyone getting pets and yeah. stuff. Um, while while it's nice to have a pet, I think also for college student athletes, just being mindful, they travel a lot. Pets are not all warm and fuzzy. They do have stressful components to them and yeah. that you have to feed them and walk them and pay for their vet care and pay for their food. And there's just a lot more responsibility that comes that sometimes I think we forget about. Yeah, right. So it can be a stressor like it, a baby. It can add a, a stress, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but overall having pause um, was, was wonderful. Before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of, of generically stuff that you as the leader of the department uh, deal with in terms of what student athletes are dealing with, um, I think it's important to kind of set the backdrop and, and, the, and set the stage in terms of what your office is all about. Because I do think, you know, uh, it, it's like if you, you know, you go through the drive-through of a restaurant and they hand you the sandwich and you're like, oh, that's cool. Somebody 
he just made the sandwich, not understanding all of what went into it in terms of, you know, you think about, you know, there's there's a farmer who grew the food, there's a truck that got it there, there's a cook, there's a, you know, what whatever. And this is one big important piece of a department. It isn't like I know fans want to go out and watch the team play, and that's that's the ultimate end product. But that end product includes uh, you as a major component. And I say you, obviously you personally, but also you as a department. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a fantastic point about just the um, piece of a larger puzzle that is mental health. We all have mental health. We all have brains. We all have emotions. We're all humans. And we all have health within that realm that we need to be mindful of and take care of and manage. And so, uh, like you said earlier, um, mental health and well-being is something that doesn't just come once a day in, mm. in or sorry, once a year. It is constant that we're maintaining that, getting good sleep, being communicative communicative with our loved ones, et cetera. And um, so for athletes, it's just the same. Those that are mentally healthier will perform better and be healthier as students and you know sons and daughters and um, boyfriends, girlfriends, and all these roles that they fill on campus. And so it is important. And I'm very grateful here at the U, we have you know a comprehensive kind of medical team where we work with our, our physicians, our athletic trainers, our sport dietitians, and our um, sports psychologists as a medical team to comprehensively intervene, treat, help support the whole athlete. One of the things that, like, in my mind forever, when I hear sports psychology, I, I envision it to be like um, a doctor who is, who is smart talking to an athlete to get them to peak performance, like whether that's through visualization or whatever it is. Um, here's how you are at your best. And I'm sure those things still happen. But the mental health part of it, and that's a mental health issue, certainly, to get to peak performance. But I think there's other parts now to it, right, that you deal with that maybe even five years ago or for sure 15 years ago, um, sports psychology seemed to me it was more just about how do we get that mind to perform at peak level and now it's evolved into more important things, maybe. Yes, that's an astute observation, Mike. And and I, I almost think about it as not even a continuum, but sort of all included in mm-hmm. a way where um, the mental performance side or the mental game is the, the ability to be resilient, to learn how to deal with adversity, to manage our emotions when we're competing or performing, how to handle the pressure or anxiety or, or, or performance um, nerves that come for all of us as humans. But there is also now this um, more appreciated and encouraged and honored space of we're all humans and we all have life. I think the pandemic has actually accentuated this around general counseling, advice, guidance, support, um, coming into college, transitioning. It's a big adjustment, transitioning out where I've done my sport since I was five. I've done school since I was five. And all of a sudden a day in May, I have neither. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, Relationship stressors. Maybe um, we you know, we had um, we've had people who had family members die from covid could be family dynamics, you name it, human experiences where sports psychology is able to give them a space with trained professionals to to help them. Um, And then the other area, as you mentioned, with with diagnosable mental health conditions, things like the most common ones in the NCAA um, in their research has shown to be anxiety, uh, depression, depression. It could be trauma-related, substance use, eating disorders, that area. And as much as you'd love to think things maybe stay in neat little categories, they totally don't. They all blend together as humans. And we have a lot of gopher athletes that might come in as first years working or dealing with one thing that they want to get help with. And, and then maybe you don't see them for a little bit and they come back as fifth years. And now they're you know dealing with something else that's different. And it's just 
really rewarding to get to see them in their whole yeah. journey. And our, our staff is um, sort of treats them as, you know, you're, we're here as a resource for you during your, your gopher career. Yeah, and maybe it, it, just a generic example. So if you're a student athlete, uh, let our listeners of the podcast know what um, how it works. Uh, do the athletes yeah. just approach you? Does a coach approach you? Does it, you know, how, how, how does it all? Yeah, work? exactly. Yeah, great question. Um, so probably, well, we've not probably, we've done research on our number one referral source um, into sports psych is actually our athletic trainers. They are just phenomenal and key uh, to sports psychology being embraced and utilized within athletics. They're sort of the frontline people. They're with them, some of these athletes, you know, every single day for months and months and months. Um, so they are often referring athletes saying, hey, I think this would be a beneficial resource. Um, you know, I want to, I want to have you go and see it, give it a try if it's horrible and not good. You know, you don't have to go back kind of thing. Um, and so they're, they, um, on all, every single sport, they're our main referral. Athletes can also sign up on their own. They can go online and sign up. Um, and they can also come by our offices and sign up without having to actually interact with us. We have an online sign up form. And then um, coaches do encourage athletes to do sports psych, but inevitably they can't like go and schedule them. They, they have to go through, um, either having the athlete email us, do the online form, or go through their athletic mm-hmm. trainer. So, yeah. Well, we I, I think at some point you and I have talked about maybe in the summer when, when there's uh, less of uh, the other stuff going on, um, and it's not Mental Health Awareness Month, but again, it's all part of it. We can talk more about that, what what you guys can do to help athletes overcome, you know, whatever it is to perform at a high level. I think for our purposes here today, with it being Mental Health Awareness Month, let's talk about the other issues. What, what I think people would frame more as mental health issues as opposed to, hey, let's perform at peak performance. Sports psychology, the way I always knew yeah. it, but it's totally, you know, there's totally more all-encompassing. So as we, we talk about that, um, let, let's let's just talk about, and you hit on some of them already, just in, in, in general terms now, um, what, what, what are some issues at college um, athletes, and I guess college students probably, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're college students as well. What are some things maybe most commonly that you are helping students with right now? Yeah, and that's a really important uh, delineation you made that while we are here primarily supporting them as student athletes, they are not immune to being general students mm-hmm. and being college students and all of the um, stressors that come with that. And so by far our most common um I guess on the mental health side of things would be general anxiety, stress, feelings of being overwhelmed, the uncertainty, unknown in all of that realm, whether it's with sport or school or family or or all of it. And um, that would mirror pretty closely to what campus students also report as a main um, stressor. And then from that standpoint, are there some specific – issues that seem to recur and within anxiety like like is it job related like as you mentioned maybe a fifth year has a different um um, stressor or anxiety level than or or something that stresses them differently than a than a first year who might be tackling a a class load that's big for the first time and how can you help with that or maybe there's totally something else i'm missing or more common things you deal with from that standpoint yeah it really varies it really varies depending on where the person is at in their life and i i would i would say while it really varies some of the common themes certainly are the time demands that are on student athletes. Their athlete role of the student athlete is not a 10 hour a week yeah. engagement. So they are really 
almost feeling like they're working full time in that realm um, in a very physically taxing job as well and a mentally taxing job that has high expectations of them, a lot of pressure. I've had an athlete once come in um, just so anxious and and said, I feel like I let down the state of Minnesota. I will never forget that because that was from a 19 year old. And I thought, I don't know that I have ever had an adult say they feel they have let down an entire state. <laughs> so the caliber of stress yeah. and pressure is intense sometimes. Let me ask you that. Then, so how do you, um, as a person that's going to guide and counsel a, a youngster like that, how do you handle that? Well, I mean, well, how do you work through that? And it doesn't have to be specific with that situation. Obviously, we want to keep this all anonymous. But what do you, what, what do you, how do you, how do you handle that? The first thing you do is is truly just validate that person in that experience. You know, something around like, wow. I can't imagine what that would feel like. Okay. And it might be something like, tell me, tell me what that's like. Getting, giving space as an act of true, genuine curiosity, non judgmental listener, like, tell me what that's like. And to feel like they can be heard, not judged, and they can just be real with the weight of that and what yeah. that actually feels like to walk around campus feeling as though you've let down the state and your school and, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then to have the added, I know we talked about this earlier or we, we, we thought about talking about the social media component, then having that layered on yeah. top is just, I don't know how our, our young adults and some of our student athletes, our coaches included, it is a whole nother level of scrutiny and criticism that can come with the globe evaluating how you're doing on something without necessarily being knowledgeable about all the behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and it, it probably magnifies it as a bigger, it, it probably is perceived bigger than it really is, yes. but that's, that's how the perception is reality, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's 24 seven. It yeah. never turns off. You don't leave school and leave the bully and be able to get some reprieve. It's kind yeah. of constant. Yeah, and I know coaches over the years try to deal with that. Some coaches, even here at Minnesota, have either told students they're not during the season allowed to be on social media, um, and and then others are like, "This is this is if you're a young person, this is it. This is how you communicate." I mean, literally, social media. You know, I have kids that are just recent college grads as well, and it's amazing. I'm amazed at a whole bunch of stuff, and I'll bring them and generically their friends involved because yeah. they're all just great people. But they too, like everybody, they have have their, you know, like they can be in the same room and they're, they're, they're back and forth with their phones. And so it's easy for old people to say, ah, well, just, just turn off social media. But that's, that's, that'd be like when we were young saying, turn off uh, the TV or, or you don't go to movies or whatever. Cause that's the, that's, that's the operation, how it works now. Right. Absolutely. It is completely interwoven with lives and, and social life and connection. And so while there are you know, really good things that come with it. Um, the connection, the the validation, sometimes a sense of community. There can also be some pretty intense downsides of the comparison. I sometimes say compare despair. Yeah. And I think social media puts that on a whole nother level of comparison and the scrutiny that our athletes. So yes, I do. Coaches do encourage some of you know, some of that. Last year, I actually had an athlete who um, they said they intentionally blocked 
their own Twitter account, so they couldn't see their own Twitter account yeah. because they just didn't want to be open to that um, while they were trying to compete. And and my gosh, I can empathize with that. Yeah, and it's changed because everyone now has a voice, and if you pay attention to it, then it becomes it becomes a factor. Um, and I think it's only like I remember thinking five eight years ago, man, this is this is bad, and now it's like it's it's bad because it. The way I look at it, this is my example is I think all of a sudden people fans they're they're passionate they love their team so there's emotions with them too they're they're stressing yes. over the team yes. and then if an athlete doesn't perform right or misses a shot or drops a pass or um you know uh you know the goalie lets one in in hockey or soccer or what have you um it it becomes then they want to vent and then they take these silly personal shots almost as you mentioned early you mentioned everyone's a human being it 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 almost becomes a video game i think where it's just a it's just a video game character like that's not a human who's the quarterback or the goalie or the starting pitcher on the baseball or softball team i'm just throwing generic examples mm-hmm. out here although they're specific but um it it it, it it's almost a, like a dehumanizing thing in their own stress and i wish they could just step back from that they being the fans cuz fans are great you need them i think most of the time they're appreciated but i, I don't know if they understand when they themselves vent, what the what the ramifications can be for a nineteen year old? Yeah, right. Right. And and thinking of it as maybe your own child, uh, or even yourself. Like I think largely most people go to work and try to give their best effort yeah. at work. And and I I you know I truly believe most of our athletes, everyone can feel confident and trust in that they're genuinely trying their best effort as young adults, and that their brains are not done developing until they're age twenty five. You yeah. know, so they're still growing and learning and. And so we do have a responsibility, I think, to support them in that, just like we would want that at, at our work. We don't want to get done with the workday and have people who don't really know what you're doing for your job. I and mean, you're thinking, I'm trying my best. Yeah. You want to be largely supportive. And I think most fans want the best for, for folks um, and athletes, and, and we're all community. But you're right. It's important to to be mindful of that. Give me a second quick here to talk about Affinity Plus. It's your local credit union proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. As a current Gopher student or if you're a proud Gopher alum, you are eligible to join a financial that wants to build a meaningful banking relationship with you and put you first. You can meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, including right off campus in Minneapolis. To learn more or find another way to connect, visit affinityplus.org slash gogophers. That's affinityplus.org slash gophers. Gophers, Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. We thank them for their support of the Go Gopher podcast. You mentioned you've been here 14 years now. Is that uh, let's right? see. I started in 20, uh, 2011, summer okay. of 2011. So what is that, 13? Thir- yeah, uh, tw- yeah 12, 23. Yeah, 12 years, yep. about 12 years. Um, how, much has, uh, how, how, how much has stuff changed? even from then to now and in a decade, let's say a little over a decade. Oh, so much. (laughs) So much it's hard to even synthesize it all um, to you. But what I can speak to is I was a student athlete um, at UCLA and we had a sports psychologist is actually how I got interested in the field, but that was unusual. Yeah. And um, then when I came, when I, when we were hired here, I say we, because my my husband's actually also a sports psychologist that started with me here. There were a few other Big Ten schools that had some resources, like maybe one person Person or a part-time person, but I will tell you, I literally yesterday came back from the Big Ten sports uh, medicine meeting um, at the Big Ten offices in Chicago, and 
you know, all the Big Ten schools are represented there. Every single one has sports psych services now and multiple service, you know, multiple people and a breadth of services. So yeah. just from that alone, there's been a significant growth here at Minnesota. I think our very first year we started with maybe 15 hours a week. And now here we are with, um, you know, we have about two and a half um, FTEs just in the clinical counseling side. Then we have another um position doing the assessments around ADHD and learning disabilities. And then we have additional work we do with teams and yeah, we've got a lot going on now. So the, um, I know during the pandemic as well. Um, and now he's in the outgoing commissioner, but Kevin Warren, I think created a, uh, I don't know, was it a panel or a committee to try to help with mental health as well? Yes. So, um, Kevin Warren, Brian Hainline and our current, um, medical chief medical officer of the, of the big 10, um, Jim Borchers, all three of them, I just give them a ton of credit as, um, you know, college and Big Ten leaders, um, the importance around mental health. And um, Joy Thomas, the health and performance um, associate athletic director here at the U, and myself are both on the mental health cabinet. And that was Kevin Warren's invi- sort of vision to do a mental health cabinet. And now that cabinet has um, sort of been elevated to much like the athletic medicine cabinet, where there's a voice in decisions and things like that. So it, it's been pretty incredible to see. Yeah, How, how much can it help, too, when uh, like institutions generally can share info? I mean, uh, maybe there's things you're doing here that others can learn from, and maybe there's other schools doing things that you're like, oh, now we need to we need to think about doing that as well. Yes, 100 percent. And um, even some of the things that are around standard of care, best practices, multidisciplinary care, how do you you not just have someone, but have, make sure that what the services you're providing are high quality. So yeah, it's invaluable to have that. And we were we were all just talking about that with all the sports psychologists in the Big Ten just just yesterday. So yeah, it's valuable. All right, so there's a new um, push, and I think it's an awesome push to kind of destigmatize the idea that you're either weak or not strong-minded if you come to you and your staff for help. Like yeah. I'm going to say for sure 25 years ago, right? You're like suck it up, man. What what's your problem, you know? And and you're a wimp if you want help. I think we're we generally as a society is, is much more accepting of you know, there's struggles, young people struggle, there's stressors, there's anxieties you mentioned um, to try to get that stigma out of there so people yeah. are comfortable um, saying you know, I guess it's okay. I think the the wording is oftentimes I've seen it's okay to not be okay and uh, and to go find out where you can get help. Yeah, I think you know Naomi Osaka used that phrase, I believe, this last year. And you have Simone Biles and Michael Phelps and Kevin Love and a lot of high profile athletes being much more transparent and open. You know, I would invite people to consider if you wanted to get stronger in your upper body strength or in your endurance or improve your nutrition or your sleep. If you were to tell a friend or a family member, hey, like I'm starting to go to the gym three times a week. I really want to work on my endurance or my upper body strength. They wouldn't shame you for that. No, you'd be, oh, great. Good for you. Pat on the back. Yeah, Yeah. it would be really reinforced and applaud you for that. Kudos. Gosh, you want to grow and get better and learn and, and enhance your health. That's where we need to view mental health and proactive well-being in our in our brain in our mind mm-hmm. is that those that are being proactive and caring about it kudos to you right awesome reinforced for that rather than stigmatized and actually in fact seeing seeing it and viewing it as a strength and the athletes that come and do sports psych at the U of M we have over 60 percent of all of our 600 gopher athletes use sports psychology services as individuals so it's a heavily utilized resource wow, yeah. here every single team has athletes that utilize sports psych. some teams we have 
almost the whole team utilizes it. Um, so they all view it um, mar- largely. A lot of them view it as, well, of course I'd use that resource. Just like I use sport nutrition, sport right. dietitian. I use our strength and conditioning coaches five days a week because I want to maintain my health. I don't want to just, or my fitness. I don't want to just do it once a week. Yeah. That's not going to keep my upper body strong. They view sports psych the same way. And I just kudos to them for that. Um, those that use it, I often think some of our bravest, most growth minded athletes, yeah. I commend them. So it's almost like weightlifting for the yes, mind, right? Absolutely. I mean, in a, in a, in a, I yeah. mean I, I say a weird way. It's not weird at all. It's a weird way to phrase it, is, I guess is why I say it that way. But it, yeah, that, that's a good point, that, that it's no different than uh, being on a nutritional plan, a strength and conditioning plan, why mental wouldn't health you? plan, right? Why wouldn't you use the resource if it's there? Why wouldn't you use every resource in your power to be the best? Because these athletes are already physically well-trained. Right. They're already talented. They're gifted. Most of the things at this level are mental. The difference between being able to perform under pressure or being able to handle some adversity that's happened. And so really helping them with those skills at this stage in their life is really the, the difference. Yeah. And so those that do it, I'm, I'm like, you, you go because yeah. you're, if you're not, you're probably leaving a stone unturned in some ways. And I, I, sorry, I would just add that at the Olympic level movement, you also see most NGBs have sports psychologists on staff. So all the Olympic athletes, I think the research shows about 95% of athletes are using sports psych, um, as well as you're now seeing it in the pros. In the NFL, in the NBA, the players associations are really encouraging um, sports psychology and mental health care. And you mentioned that kind of spectrum where where the mental health can fall within a within varying students where um, – you know, it might be, uh, you know, who knows, a family issue. Um, I'm thinking just even back to my, you know, when I was a college student, knowing what uh, my kids and their friends are going through, but could be boyfriend, girlfriend issues, could be grades, could be studies. Um, and then all the way up to maybe where you're diagnosed with like like medication or whatever can help. So can you take us through the spectrum of different things of, of how you might help a student weightlift their mind as we just kind of t- called it? Yeah. So I think you asked earlier about also, you know, once they come to an individual sports psychology session, they're going to sit down and we're going to gather a lot of background information about them here, some of their history, what their goals are that they're wanting to work on, and any things um, from a mental health standpoint that are maybe troubling to them or bothersome that they want to work on. And and then we'll kind of tailor the interventions and sessions going forward with them, depending on what their goals are and what they need help with. And so um, some, it might need to be weekly appointments. Some, it might be just um, every Every other week, some might be as needed. Um, sometimes we're going to refer them to our sport med uh, physicians for medication consultation or to Boynton or campus counseling um, for additional services. And sometimes they need resources off campus, actually. They might need a specialist in obsessive and compulsive disorder or in a certain kind of trauma treatment. So, Yeah, and then I'm, I'm guessing, too, from that standpoint, some might just say it's great to come in and talk yeah. just to just – to just to talk things out. Absolutely, right? have a space. I mean, and, and nothing more than that. And I say nothing more because that's something. Again, yeah. pat them on the back for, for wanting to do that. But just to, to talk might be important. There is good science behind just talk therapy of the giving, giving space to people to have uh, conversations and work with an objective person. We all benefit from that. Mm-hmm. I think we all can use that as as humans in our life. Starting when we first learn to talk, yeah. it's nice to be able to have you know grandma sit and listen and chat. You know, you're just chatting away. It's very validating and healthy to have someone be able to um, hear you and to be seen and heard. 
I have conversations with myself. I, I like to talk anyway, but I'll be driving down the road and I literally will just carry. I mean, people know I'm a little weird anyway, but um, I will, you know, and it, it, I do find it helpful. Yes. Just even with myself, just, hey, let's get something off your chest. I'll just get yeah. it off my chest right here. You there, there you go, yeah, Mike. There you go. And sometimes it. it's kind of like, well, now once I hear myself say that out loud or yeah. now that I hear that or now that I wrote that down and I'm reading it, gee, I have a different perspective on it. Yeah. All right. So on the maybe on the opposite end of that spectrum, and again, not trying to judge any of the uh, the, the things, I'm, I'm imagining there may be um, times where it, it's on the emergency side of things, where you have to have a quick action because the mental health stability is not not strong for a particular person. So take us through maybe those, hopefully it's a rare occurrence, but but at, at, I'm, I'm sure there are times where that is necessary. Yeah, we certainly do have situations and, and cases where the mental health is not there's not a lot of stability. There's needing to be, um, you know, more care and support for them. Usually in those cases, our entire medical team is involved mm-hmm. with with those, um, with caring for them. And sometimes they may need to take a step back from athletics participation just so that they, we can make sure they're safe and that they're healthy and do kind of a re- stepped a tiered return to play protocol. Sometimes we have had student athletes who have, you know, we've needed to do hospitalization or something something like that to get them more stable or help bring in more family members for support. And, um, you know, usually it's a team effort in those cases. Yeah. And then uh, we mentioned the, the idea of just of just being it's OK to, to, to ask for help. And we have a, a an audience here, too, uh, and you deal with the student athletes, but there are certainly, I'm sure, many people listening that have kids or grandkids or brothers or sisters that go through things. Just in general, how, how have things changed from that standpoint? And we we're talking student athletes here, but there's 50,000 students on campus, uh, just student uh, health, mental health, welfare. Absolutely, it's increased the the statistical. Um, I think the last out of 2021, the NC or not the NCAA, but college mental health looked at. It was like 60 percent of college students had met a mental health diagnose, like had met criteria for a mental health diagnosis mm-hmm. in the past year. Now that was in the throes of the pandemic. But that's that's really alarming, and that's on top of. Statistics of one in four of us will already experience a mental health condition at some point in our lifetime. Yeah. So it, it is prevalent. And when you think about maybe your coworkers, it's going to be like every fourth person. And it's very normal yeah. <laughs> and not unusual. And um, so, yeah, I think that's it's in the landscape. What we're working on in college athletics is embedded in the landscape of college mental health and young adult mental health. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the I'm not that old school, but I can see where I, I could look at something. And again, my kids were recent college grads. They have a bunch of friends. They've all have, you know, they all have everyone's got their own issues. But for many of them, uh, they've surrounded themselves with really good, a good group of people that from fourth grade on, they've been studying and working hard and um, and and trying to reach some goal. And then all of a sudden, as you mentioned, one day in May, it's like, okay, uh, boom, here's the real world. And um, and my theory is, you know, in my own mind, because I'm old now and I have maybe some benefit of time, I look and I'm like, boy, that would be an exciting time. But I'm not in their shoes. And in their shoes, it's like, they, they're not sure what's going on. Um, you know, there have been some friends of, of, of ours uh, that are like, don't ask, don't ask what they're going to do yet because they're just so stressed about it. So even yeah. stuff that I would look at and say, ah, come on, um, in their shoes, that's their life. I mean, that's their, you know, that that's their feeling. That's their belief, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they, they're trying to work their way through that. And it might sound simple, but 
everyone's got the anxiety. It's the it's the perspective on the situation or the right? stressor. It's um, the, yeah, the, the perceived sense of I'm not sure that I will be able to get the outcome that I'm looking for or wanting. Some of it's outside of my control, and I I think our society at large puts a little bit too much emphasis purely on outcome and achievement. I'd love to see our society reinforce and commend and give accolades to some of the controllable process stuff and the character pieces. Like, wow, they showed a lot of resiliency. They persisted on that math problem for 45 minutes trying to figure it out. And less about did they get the answer exactly right, but what does that say about their work ethic here and their creativity and their problem solving and their fortitude? And reinforcing that I think would go a long way for our young Young people yeah, and ourselves. I, I agree. And then there's also this idea that um, you better find, a, you know, a, a career within five seconds of graduation. And I'm like, what? Well, uh, hey, I've been in real life enough. There's no need to rush. You know, I say that somewhat jokingly, but there's, you know, let, let's let them breathe here for a minute, right? Yes, Mike. I mean, and get to know yourself. Yeah. I just think about, um, you know, when you graduate college is in your early 20s to even when you are leaving your 20s and into your early 30s, there is so much growth in that decade of getting to know yourself and what you need and the increase in self-awareness that helps you narrow into a career or a passion or an interest that's a good fit. Yeah. Um, so as we look through this, um, and and uh, one of the other things you mentioned that the trainers um, were maybe the, the biggest referral, uh, the, the athletic trainers yes. for, for student athletes, injuries, um, and I'm thinking of rehab, like, um, and, and, you know, there's some high profile gopher athletes that have been injured over the years. And um, I, I just hate it every time I see it. And, you know, your heart breaks for them. And a couple, you know, I, I can think of a couple of guests on this podcast who have talked specifically about it that have gone through double injuries. Chris Altman Bell was on this podcast, and he absolutely talked for a long time about the athletic trainers, um, Joe becoming one of yeah. his best friends, um, using sports psychology as a, as a, um, you know, as a, as a help. Um, Parker Fox with back-to-back injuries. He was a guest on this podcast talking about, um, you know, just, just those some of those days in rehab get pretty lonely. So how does the department, um, your department with sports psych help those folks and athletes through injury when when their dreams kind of crushed at least short term anyway oh it's so real um our athletic trainers are fantastic as i said in sort of encouraging and supporting and nudging athletes to to take advantage of the resource um if they have been injured particularly injuries that are career ending those are pretty intense from the psychological standpoint and can be um and then certainly ones like acl tears that are achilles tears that are significant in being the year is kind of done you know you're, yeah. you're out for the year. Those ones are, are really emotionally difficult, as well as um, concussions. They, Especially ones that last long, they're invisible. People can't see your concussion, so they don't see you in a cast on crutches or on a scooter. Yeah. And so it's this constant, like, hey, when are you back? Or when are you going to be good to go? And and they're still maybe feeling symptoms of, of um, post-concussion stuff. So those, those ones in particular stand out as difficult ones that I think sports site can be um, tools, giving schools valid, or giving tools to help with coping with those experiences, helping with the loneliness that maybe comes in the isolation, as well as the anxiety of like, am I going to be the player I was? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, how's this going to impact my future goals? And what does this mean about my self-worth if I'm not able to play? All these layers that yeah. are there um, 
are, are very real. And uh, I think some of the studies show about 30% of, inju- of athletes with injuries can begin, can report emotional distress as a result of it. So it's a very normal an expected thing that yeah, can happen. Yeah, I'm sure. And then just to like even just the missing out part of it. Oh, like, not you know, traveling. Either way, and... if your team's struggling without you, then you might think, oh, oh yeah. it's my fault. Or if the team's having success, you can't help human nature is going to say, yeah. man, I'm missing out, you know. And, oh, yeah. And these are, you know, I mean, I love them. I'm glad they're having success. I think even Chris talked about that a Very little real. bit, you know, that um, so there's a lot that uh, that goes into it for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned you were a gymnast at UCLA and that, uh, that the sports psychology person there kind of helped get you into it. Let's let's talk about yeah. that background for a little bit. What what was your experience as an athlete that that uh, that maybe said, "Hey, this is this is where I want to head career path myself?" Yeah, well, I so I with gymnastics, it's a very acrobatic sport and much like our divers here at the U of M or our gymnasts here at the U yeah. of M or any acrobatic sport, there's a lot of components of fear. <laughs> and quite frankly, they're scary sports and I wish I had had access to sports psych more in the 80s and the 90s. Um, when I got to UCLA, Dr. William Parham was a real front runner in the field of sports psychology at the time. And he he and our coach, uh, Ms. Val Condos, uh, field was really into sports psych. So they encouraged team meetings re- weekly, lots of individual sessions. And by the time I graduated, we had won three national championships. And I thought, well, I think there's something to this whole mental side yeah. of sport thing. And I got the honor of um, befriending and getting to know Coach Wooden pretty well while I was there. Uh, Ms. Val was was uh, good, good friends with him. And so I just remember thinking, this is what I want to go into. I would love to keep sports involved in what I do. I don't know that I want to coach, but um, I had two ACL tears in college. So I, that was rough. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Dr. Par- P is what we called him. Par- yeah. He kind of helped guide me a bit in mentoring me into the field and saying, you know, you really want to go get your PhD in, in the in psychology and get specialized in sport so that you can work in this area. And I'm to this day, he's one of those people that you sort of realize, oh, if I hadn't come across them, they sure. were really helpful in, in paving my career path. Was it um, was it more of a sports relate or a sports performance related sports psych or did it include the whole gamut? Yeah, back he then was even? a yeah. yep. He's a licensed psychologist and yeah. had the the training in sport performance as well. So if there are people listening that also maybe and I'm sure there are gopher athletes that that um, have have uh, been. Um, appreciative, uh, maybe they also want to guide their way into that. So what is the what is the normal career path that someone would use to get into what you do? Well, I would say that sounds like an easy question, Mike. However, <laughs> our, our field is a little um, still maybe not in its infancy, but it's still there's a lot of tracks sure. into into the field. In in my role in here in Gopher Athletics, all of our staff are licensed mental health providers and um, have or are working towards their CMPC, which is considered a certified mental performance consultant. And in my experience, I personally feel having both of those is really important to work competently in the field. And the reason I say that is I've had a plethora of of, uh, situations where an athlete has come in and says, you know, I just don't feel very confident. And I really want to get more confident. And I get really nervous and anxious sometimes. Well, how are you supposed to know if that is purely a performance piece, if you can't also rule out the clinical side of anxiety or even depression, that low self-worth, low self-esteem, feeling inadequate, feeling not good enough, worrying about performance could could be common with. So that's where I just feel working in the whole continuum of how fluid it is. Best practitioners have, in my opinion, 
have both when they're doing the applied work like that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's uh, that's uh, <laughs> cool to uh, to hear, and I'm sure you're inspiring many athletes the way that Dr. P inspired yeah. you at UCLA. Yeah. Well, we do have. I should say we have on our staff. Oh, our group is um, also contracted with athletics, but our group has. We do have some folks that are only. Um, certified mental performance consultants and some that are mostly just psychologists. But I will say we kind of work as a team to cover the bases. So if if someone is either or in that situation doesn't have training in both is to team up with people who do so you can you can be have great services. Last couple for you. Uh, the coaches, how important are they um, and how well do you get to know them? And does it vary by sport? Um, yeah, it varies by sport, depending. Sometimes some coaches are more uh, into or receptive to sports psych than others. I would say here at the U, our coaches are pretty fantastic with it. Um, many of them I have close relationships with. And it's just like asking, you know, a kid who's struggling, how important are the parents at home? Yeah, right. And, you know, it's the same, not same. It's it's a power differential with coaches and athletes, even though both are adults. And it's critical. They, our coaches, you know, I really appreciate what they've been through in the last several years, as well as leaders and navigating all the changes in college athletics right now. It is it is stressful. It is hard. Um, and their own mental well-being. And so uh, we this this spring in April, we had a, a one of the coaches meetings. We did some stuff around mental wellness and mental health. And routinely coaches, our coaches are very receptive to those conversations and always want more. And uh, so I give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, they and the students um, and the players have been through a lot. Certainly the pandemic uh, created extra stressors and different kinds of things. Um, what, what's your what's your view on that as we're as it looks like we're out of that? But I would guess yeah. that the mental health uh, ramifications of that are still lingering and may linger for a while, right? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how it will go. Yeah. So and I think the landscape of college athletics is on the precipice of also changing significantly in the upcoming years. So I'm not sure how that will impact it either. Yeah. And now do you um, last one, do you get involved um, with now, now with the transfer portal and the changing things in athletics, um, so I'm sure that might be some anxiety too. Uh, if a student athlete is either looking, maybe that maybe it's not a great fit, maybe there's a situation closer to home, whatever it is, um, it's an easier deal now if they want to transfer. Do you do, do they come to you sometimes with that, or is that mostly um, something that's not related to what you would do? Um. You know, we've had a few athletes where maybe that that is the main stressor on something with their experience here at the U of M. We really steer clear of advising any sure. which way. We we sort of just try to give them space to be the expert on themselves and figure out what they need for themselves and what they want. Um, so I don't know that it's actually any more than it used to be, but but I know it can be a stressor for for individuals, but it can also be a positive thing for them too. So I don't know. I just, um, I'm like, well, you, hopefully they can find what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So let's close on this because um, you would, uh, well, first you gave me a little tour of the office just down the hallway from where we're recording. It's really cool, easy access for students to get there. There's a little scanning code that you can, uh, that student athletes can get their, um, you know, set an appointment, come in, get resources, do do that. But also, uh, if fans are interested, there is a web page. You have some videos posted on on some really cool stuff that you do. So, uh, tell us how uh, fans can can click on that just to find out a little bit more about uh, the the things that you guys do. Yeah, if you go to GopherSports.com, the regular Gopher Athletics website, and go to Health and Performance. Um, under Health and Performance, we have strength and conditioning. 
uh, athletic medicine, sports nutrition, and sports psychology. And if you go to the sports psychology page, there's um, at least four videos that student athletes have made in recent years about their experiences with mental health and sports psychology. And just, I think, very just tremendous um, messages to each other about it, but also to younger athletes, high school athletes. So I would encourage anyone who wants to learn more and, and kind of get more in the depths with this is to go on and, and watch some of those. One of them is 10 minutes and very powerful. Yeah, really. I, I, I took a peek at him as well. Chris Altman-Bell has a video on there yeah. who we've talked about. Uh, Autumn Pease, who just as we record about an hour ago was named Big Ten Softball Pitcher of the Year, and they're now on their way to Illinois. Hopefully they play all the way to Saturday and win it and then go on to some great success in the NCAA tournament. But um, she is uh, featured in one of the videos yep. also, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they right. actually, several athletes last spring uh, initiated making a video for their peers, actually, all on their own, and, and Autumn was one of them. So Yeah, that's great. Well, hey, this was fun um, and important, I think, as, as we're in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Month to, um, to continue to talk about it, create awareness. As we mentioned, we'll have you back if we can in the summer where we'll talk more along the lines of, of um, you know, training the brain to be a high performer. Um, and that includes what we talked about today, but it also includes other things. Like you said, when an athlete comes in and says, I want to be more confident, then you figure that out. And yeah. hopefully, eventually, that turns into a more confident performance. Absolutely, Mike. And while I'm, I don't want this to come off as, as um, self-promoting, but I, all of our staff here at Gopher Athletics, we do work in a company uh, at a company called Premier Sports Psychology. And the reason I'm mentioning that is if any of your fans or listeners have high school, middle school athletes or teams that they're thinking, my gosh, we would love to have access to these kinds of services or resources for our hockey club or our figure skating team, um, I would encourage to, to reach out um, and we have a staff that can provide that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just great. a helpful thing that people sometimes don't realize like, oh, outside of college, that would be something we could use. Yeah, for sure. Say it again. Yeah, Premier Sports Psychology. And we offer virtual so- services, but we're also housed in Edina. So. Yeah. Is there a webpage I yep. can go to? Yep. Great. At PremierSportsPsychology.com. That's easy. All right. Well, great. Dr. Carly, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Mike. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed hearing some important and valuable information from Dr. Carly Anderson, who's so vital to the Gopher Athletic Department. We will have Dr. Carly on a return visit to the podcast later in the summer. The Go Gopher Podcast Episode 71 is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, a locally member-owned full-service financial invested in you. You can learn more at affinityplus.org slash gogophers. We're also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and please be sure right now to click the subscribe button on the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to subscribe and free to listen. And please share the link to the podcast with others so they can subscribe and listen as well. We'll talk again next week.